Popping bottles and pop culture. Hi, Sarah. Hi. It's How been a little while. I know we had some nice vacations. We did you went on a baby moon? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm ready to pop now, but I'm like <laughs> 23 weeks, so like six months almost. That long, is which is crazy. crazy. I loved it. I told some students. I don't know, right before the holidays, because, like, I was starting to feel it. And I was like, you know, if I'm ever out or whatever, this is why. Yeah. And they were like, you mean you kept this a secret for three months from us? And I was like, uh, yeah. (laughs) That's a normal thing to do. They don't know, though. Like, they don't know, like. I know. Like, the next day you're supposed to come in and be like, guess what, guys? Good news. That's okay. Do you remember we, uh, one of you. My coworkers, one of my colleagues and someone who Sarah used to work with is a fifth grade teacher. And she was pregnant a couple years ago and just straight up didn't tell her kids until they noticed just to see what would happen. That's what I was afraid of. And then they were like, and then she told them when she was showing Mm -hmm. and they came up, they were coming up to other teachers and being like, have you heard? And we were like, yeah, (laughs) we know. It's very funny though, because it was just like, they don't even, and it's like, this is like, you know, in, yeah. in that building, the oldest kids, the fifth graders, they're just like, I'm like, yeah, you couldn't tell like two weeks ago before she told you. Mine are like 13. So I'm trying to avoid the awkward line from the Anna Delvey show, Inventing Anna, where she's like, are you pregnant or just very, very fat? <laughs> with that, right? With that, that weird, like tedious. Oh, have it's you watched that at all? Affect accent. It's like an accent, but an affect. Um, yeah, I, I've only watched the first couple episodes, though. I got to keep going. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's worth investing all your time. I liked it because they feature the hotel where we went on our honeymoon. So I was like, oh, my God. I was a a fake German heiress, and I didn't even know it. It, like, heavily featured, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's all the spots where we were, like, lounging and taking pictures. So I was like, this is so bizarre. That is really funny. (laughs) But, yeah, it was. we love grifters lately. And there's lots of shows coming out right now that I think are based on these, like, big personalities and startups where the Elizabeth Holmes show drops today. It's Thursday. The Uber. The Uber one is on Showtime. Pumped? Something pumped. Yeah, Yeah. super pumped, maybe. Yeah, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And Uma Thurman. Yes. And the Elizabeth Holmes one, it features... Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. That yeah. one's on Hulu. Ripped from the headlines. Yeah. We've discussed this. I don't know if we've talked about it a lot on here, but in real life we have, where a lot of these shows, though, like about scammers and grifters and cults and stuff, they tend to do these like eight or ten episode things. And a lot of them could be fewer episodes, but a lot of them could also just be like two hour, like films yeah inventing anna's based on an essay it's a long form essay from Mm -hmm. new york magazine but it definitely could have been probably five episodes and they could have called it a limited series right exactly and so some of them i just think end up too long even some of the documentary ones a lot of the criticism i read people were saying like they tried to be spotlight or something and they went really hard on the journalism side Mm -hmm. And acknowledge the fact that this was based on a short form article or long form article rather. But I really like that stuff because my side hustle is I yeah. do a lot of writing. So that part for me personally was interesting. Right. I don't I don't even think for me it's like the that part of it. It's just like it just needs to be edited down. I think with inventing Anna too, it's a Shonda Rhimes thing. Mm-hmm. And 
I like Shonda sometimes, but it's a very specific style and she uses the same actors over and over. And so it starts to get that vibe of like, even when it's something that's like based on real life, you st- I still start to feel like it has that like evening soap opera sort of vibe. Yeah, I'm glad you said like she does workplace drama so well and that's yeah. what she does. But like kind of soapy over the top workplace drama, right? right? Where it's like still. But this story I think could have stood alone and she still made it into a workplace drama. Yeah, like, yeah, a little, because the, right, the story itself is sensational. <laughs> well, speaking of good editing, we'll get into Love is Blind in a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, the baby moon was in Fort Lauderdale. You flew direct from flew Worcester. Flew from Worcester. There was free parking. It was just so <laughs> convenient. So I was talking to Amy Lynn Chase while we were there. She's like, where are you and I was like listen this is so easy Worcester's best kept secret so she's going this weekend (laughs) I want to go it was just super easy yeah it's JetBlue and they you can find pretty inexpensive flights it leaves at six in the morning every day so we were on the beach by 10 like I don't know it was just really easy yeah absolutely (laughs) and what kind of an airport has free parking that is insane that is unheard of that's nuts I thought I know when you actually first said free parking I didn't I wasn't even sure Oh, to, I was like, where? Yeah. Oh, the airport. Yes. And the airport is located three miles from my house. So we did get delayed coming back. We flew in at like 3.30 in the morning. But then to get to your car and be like, I am three miles from my house is a beautiful, magical right. feeling. You don't have to drive on the pike when it's like Ugh. when no one's on it and you're just sleepy. You want to be home. That's very difficult. But road trips. You went <laughs> for it. You went to Michigan. Tell me all oh, about man. it. So, yes, I traveled to Michigan recently, a place that I've never been. Um, I've never been anywhere in the Midwest. It's very flat. And I don't even mean like, I feel like that's a very typical thing people say when they visit the Midwest, but it's flat in a way that like can be really jarring because there's just nothing. (laughs) Some places there are like, even here where there's like, it's like even here where there, there are more rural or like less populated areas, like smaller towns and stuff. It's still very different because there or at least you know in some of the places where I was there's a lot of open like cornfields like farms and so in some places you could just look and that's all it would be is you would just see like flat ground and the sky when you said it was flat I pictured like such a serene landscape and almost like that the vibe might match that or the tenor of your vacation but it sounds like you had so much fun people make up for the flatness yes exactly and that's not the whole state either it's like It's flat in the part where I was for a few days. Well, the first couple nights we were in Traverse City, which is more up north. And apparently it's the cherry capital of the world, I learned, which I didn't know. But it's very beautiful. That's the thing. Michigan, I think no matter where you are, like if you're up, we were up north, not way up north. There's Michigan's enormous. But, you know, if you're up north in that area, it's gorgeous. Even even where it is kind of flat, the sunset's very beautiful. Um, And then we went down sort of down to the Detroit area. Detroit is awesome. Have you ever been to Detroit? Never, but I hear it's amazing. Detroit is really cool. I mean, like, you know, to be upfront about it, like we were spending more time in like the gentrified parts of the city, which like, you know, I think that's typical if you visit a city for like a day or two. And I've been trying to be more <laughs> careful about how I say gentrified, because especially I think Detroit has this a lot in common with Worcester, 
But there were a lot of vacant properties that had sat totally empty and untouched for years and years or were brownfields and needed a lot of money to be cleaned up or whatever. And so the people who have invested in Detroit to turn it around, they didn't necessarily displace anybody. Yeah, they didn't necessarily displace large swaths of people in some of these really cool areas. It sounds like they were able to create a rejuvenation sure, like, of something that had been vacant for a, a decade. newer neighborhood, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that, especially in that area that I was in, I was, if anyone has any point of reference, I was near, basically everywhere a sports team plays are within a like one square half mile. And I know it sounds weird coming from New England, or I guess maybe not to certain people, but it's really cool to be in cities or to be in places that are like genuinely actually integrated in a way that like it feels normal to be in a bar and it doesn't and you're not like oh wow like uh any person of color or like specifically a black person so if you like looked at the census the breakdown of the bar would match it sure absolutely right and I feel like you know I've spent a lot of time and I say this as someone who spent a lot of time in Boston so like that's where I'm coming Mm -hmm. from I'm not even necessarily talking about like Worcester or whatever but just in general I think that Boston specifically, but even New England is in some ways, and it's a lot, it's systematic, a lot of like systematic segregation where like there's just neighborhoods where white people don't go or hang out or black people don't go and hang out. And that feels not normal, but it's, we don't notice as much. Right. And it's a holdover from the busing Boston movement of the seventies. You know what I mean? Right. There was blockbusting and all these things. Like, it continues to Right, and redlining. Absolutely. And so it is – it's very cool to spend time there. I recommend it to anyone who likes cities. (laughs) Um, One thing I will say that kind of put things in perspective for me just about, like, kind of the non-urban areas of Michigan is that there are some places – and I always – I tend to think of things as, like, something being better than something else, right? And that can be really hard because then I looked. Like, there are some – Places in Michigan that really feel dated, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like you kind of are there and you're like, is this the 80s? And it reminds me of like in Parks and Rec when he's like, they just got Alta Vista in Pawnee. (laughs) And so thinking about it in the sense of like, just because I feel like one area is or one region of somewhere is more modernized or more current or whatever, like does that make it better or is it just different like is there a value in living more off of the land and, and I don't mean this in like a hippie way I mean in a very like pragmatic like there are it's just farms like mm-hmm. that type of thing and so really kind of putting that perspective on it and being like it's not it's just different seeing it that way I think it was I think it helped me to actually be in a place that was different like that when you got back, you got to meet a whole slew of Midwesterners on this season oh. of Love is Blind, which was filmed in Chicago. That was a really good segue, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. That was incredible. I forgot about all of the Chicago Chicagoans. Oh, my God. They're so, all terrible. What's it? But, do can, you want to explain the premise? I was going to ask you to. Uh, we, can, we can do it together. Okay, I'll do the podcast. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, let's do so a whole group of people. <laughs> arrive and they have all the men and all the women in separate quarters and it is interesting it's a very straight show and at first I was like oh is this bad that it's not inclusive but by the end I was like these people all make an ass out of themselves <laughs> so all maybe, deserve this. maybe it's better that we don't and I don't know if you remember from the first season mm-hmm. there was a gentleman who got engaged to a woman and then 
later like disclosed to her basically yes, that, he that he was bisexual. bisexual and she we can say did not handle it well right so i think that i think that now they're like oh my god yeah. we have to stay away from that maybe right but at any rate it's all of these straight individuals who are put into pods to kind of go through a speed dating exercise in the beginning where they have 10 minutes or so with each of the people of an opposite sex, but they cannot see one another. They can only hear one another. And then from there, they determine who their favorites are and they narrow it down until they're left with one person. If they identify someone that they would be willing to spend the rest of their lives with, then (laughs) in this case... Within a 10-day period of time, to be very clear. (laughs) The men propose in every case. Yeah. Did I'm trying to remember if any of the women did in the first season. Maybe season one. I don't think that, but I think that it is. I think it is, as you were saying, like super heteronormative, even in that sense. Mm-hmm. I guess like I wouldn't, I, I don't think the producers would say no if one of the women asked. No, definitely not. But the men like get, they like talk about what rings yeah. they would want, like stuff like that. But again, in a 10 day period, so it's all just like super heightened, really truncated. And you just go through it being like, this is ridiculous, but they keep referring to it as an experiment as if they're doing some sort of scientific brilliant human behavior experiment that's going to change the world and so they say over the course of 10 days you don't understand i got to know this person better than i would have in a year of dating them in the outside world right and like more than one individual or couple has said that which is interesting it's this hyper it's just like everything is heightened so I'll let you describe the reveal oh and uh, from there on. Well, one thing I think that is important to make clear is that, no, the people do not see each other during this time, but they are all attractive people. Yeah. In, I, like, they all have, they are all are pretty good looking. There's no one I who... I think that's the ticket. They're pretty good looking. None yeah. of them are showstoppers. They're all, Except like... Except for Mallory. I think Mallory's very beautiful. Mallory is very beautiful. <laughs> she does have some, like resemblance to j-lo she does a i kept, bit, yeah. I kept being like wow i can't stop seeing j-lo but um I, all of them are like pretty good looking they're, yeah but they look like real people sure yeah they're not anyone right it's not anyone like that you would look at and be like you meet absolutely not just off the bat from looks but it's also not people who you'd be like they walk into a room and you're like that's the most beautiful person i've ever seen right um but yes yeah, so and it can be earlier than the 10 days, which is also crazy. Like, uh, one couple got engaged after five days. <laughs> so within that 10-day span, though, if you come out on the other side with a potential partner, you meet in real life for, like, a, it seems like it's, like, no more than 10 minutes. I think they give them, like, probably, they give them 10 minutes to, like, see one another, kind of do, like, a more official, like, down-on-one-knee engagement. Because they've already asked to be clear, in the pods. Mm-hmm. And then they tap chat for like a few minutes and then they're like, okay, I'll see you in Mexico. I think that's the most authentic part of the show because they really have not seen each other mm-hmm. until that very moment. And your face says a lot. Yeah. So you can see in their reactions, like they're going to go through with those, most of them, no matter what, to be on television and get camera time. And go to Mexico. But you can tell like how they actually feel once they see the person. Yes. And that's really... It's a, yeah, it's a lot. And even though, and even if after you're so right, because even if after then they say this, this, or this, it does kind of ultimately come back to that. Um, like, like Mal and Sal, some of the couples, they see each other and they're like all about it. Right. They're so psyched. And this one couple who was like pretty, 
intense. Like in the pods, Mm -hmm. you could just tell that Mallory, who's the the woman, was kind of let down, which I think is crazy because I think Sal's very handsome. But God, can I just give you 10 seconds on Sal? Do it. An opera singer, but he won't stop. It is so obnoxious. He sings to her constantly, but it's like all about him. And he at one point writes this song about her where he rhymes fiance with Beyonce. And I was like, Sal, someone's got to tell you this just isn't going to do it. Listen, the song itself was not good, but it sounded really pretty. Oh my god! All right, he drove me crazy. But see, I love Sal. I thought that Sal was like too pure for that show. I was like, get him out of here. He doesn't belong here. But it is actually interesting now that you say it. You the further you get in, Mm -hmm. the the more you start to understand why some of these people are still single, Mm -hmm. right? So like you're right though. Like on that point with Sal, like he's I I wouldn't say arrogance not the right word, but he's too wrapped up in himself, but almost in like a shy way. Yeah, like he, it, and so it is. But you get to see, like, with I don't want to be mean to Danielle, mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> literally this one couple, Nick and Danielle, like the th- second day they're together, I was like, oh, yeah, she's she's got a lot to work through. It's she not does, that she, she needs some therapy, right? It's not like I don't want to be like, oh, she's crazy because that's not really it. It's just that like she has a lot to work through before she's probably ready to marry someone. So Sal and Danielle probably equally self conscious, but they manifest it in two different ways. But Danielle, <laughs> it's great television. Oh yeah, with Sal, it's boring. He's that's his main problem. Is like right, Sal's mostly just boring. He's mm-hmm. too boring for the show. He's too boring for Mallory. Yeah. So Um, wait, they go to Mexico. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we got way off track. They go to Mexico. They spend, I think, like a week together. Mm -hmm. And the first few days, it's just the couples getting to know each other better. They're spending time. And then partway through, all the couples get together. That is my favorite part. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is, in many situations, like not all, but in many of those situations, the couples are there with their new fiancé, but they are also for the first time seeing and meeting the people who they had the opportunity to date, who maybe they got really close with mm-hmm. in the pods, in the pods. Right. And so then they say, Oh, they're so-and-so like I could have been engaged to this person. Mm-hmm. And, it and always, in some cases, like one might've proposed to the other and the other said no. And now they're seeing them and going, Oh, I should have gone with that one. Right? Yes, exactly. Or they find out that they find Right. It's not even just seeing them. They just find it in real life. Maybe they have, more chemistry than they even had before. Yeah, spoiler alert, love is not blind. Like, I think the physical attraction plays an enormous role in the success of all of these relationships. And when it's not there, it's just painful to watch. It's really hard because you can tell that a lot of the time when that happens to the, the person who's maybe not as attracted to the other person, and this isn't always the case, but in some of those cases, they feel really bad about it. Yeah. Like they feel like it's a failure of their own rather than just like a loophole in this. And that is what makes it an interesting experiment because we get to watch what does happen, but it, then it also makes it really hard to watch sometimes. So there's one couple in particular, Deeps, right? And Shake. Shake. Deepsy and, and Abhishek. And Sheik, he says that she reminds him of his aunt, which might be true, right? Have you ever met someone and they might be attractive, they might be great, but they remind you of someone else that makes them like completely asexual to you all of a sudden. Where you're like, oh, nope, couldn't do it because you look too much like my aunt. But he doesn't say to her. 
he says it to like everyone else behind her back. That is, so Shake is, we could say, he's just like a walking red flag. He's the only guy who in the pods started asking questions about what the girls looked like, Mm -hmm. which defeats the purpose of the show. Some of them might have asked like, what are you wearing? <laughs> That's like but, this little guy, Shane, who loves crop tops. I love and Shane. Anytime a girl is like, I'm in a crop top, he's like, oh. He's like, I love a crop top. But that still isn't like, how much do you weigh? What color is your hair? Right. What do you look like? Right. And so Shake, one of the questions that Shake is asking these girls is, can I put you on my shoulders at a co- at Coachella? Right. And it, it's very, very clear what he means by that. And, like, for him, maybe that's a deal breaker, whatever. Don't publicize it, first of all. And secondly, as we said, the whole point of the show is that they are not learning that, right? Mm -hmm. But Deep T, who is the woman that he did end up choosing, I think was the one who also called him out on it. Mm -hmm. He was like, you really shouldn't. And she said it really nicely. She's like, you shouldn't word it that way. Yeah. And she said, I lost a lot of weight. She lost 70 pounds or something. And so she's a gorgeous, self-assured woman now, but she has some like self-conscious things that have to do with her weight that he had brought out in her and she calls him out on it. I really liked that. Yeah. And I think that was also, she did it not just for, she brought things up for her, but she's like, you can't say that to, to the other girls. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so they leave Mexico and then, so they, yes. So they leave Mexico. They go to the quote unquote real world. This time basically is they move into a show like supplied apartment together. And then they show each other where they actually like their actual place, like places where they live. So be like, this is my apartment. And then while they're living in the apartment that's through the show, they're kind of trying to work through, A, like, where they will live together, whose place they'll live in if they would need to get a new place, B, meeting friends and family who will be attending their weddings that are taking place two weeks from whenever they meet these people. you got to hand it to the family because these people, (laughs) I imagine to be on the show you get paid, but the family's not, I don't know. I just kept thinking like, wow, these people have to truck it all the way to a wedding, buy a new dress, get their hair done. To this person that that their children met or, you know, brothers, sisters, friends met two weeks ago. And to their credit, a lot of the parents are skeptical and are like, this does not make sense. And, yes. you know, it doesn't. Um, there's one. Let's start. Let's I want to I wanted to use that to jump back to Shake again, though, because one of my favorite moments is when Shake brings DT to meet his family and everything seems normal and fine. And after there's a private conversation between Shake and his mom mm-hmm. and Shake kind of just like tells her some of the challenges that he's having with his attraction to DT. And his mom is at first kind of just like, I don't necessarily want to have this conversation, but she's like rolling with it. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen next. Like I thought maybe she's just going to give him some guidance. And she absolutely just like, it was like, it was like watching a murder on live TV. (laughs) She read him for filth and and literally just at one point was like, that woman is beautiful and she's like ready to be in a relationship and she's got all this. And like, she essentially turned it back on him and was like, if you don't deserve her, then you don't like, she deserves to find someone who does 
find her beautiful. Like she basically mm. took deep deep side on the situation. Thank goodness too. Yeah. In a way that was like, it was more than just her saying to her son, like, if you don't love her, don't marry her. It was really her saying like, if you don't love her, that's, that's on you. That's a you problem. Yeah. yeah. And I wondered, and then I just wondered what this was like recalling. Cause there has to be mm-hmm. some further context here, which I imagine if any of you guys have watched the show, like I said, like just red flags all the time. With oh this my guy. God. <laughs> they all do though. They yes, all have are, red yeah. flags. His, uh, were, his were like more, he put, he had less of a problem like flying his red flags. Oh yeah. Than he owns Some it. of them hide them better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we should talk about Shane a bit more, but he at times, and as the series progresses, gets more and more hyped almost. Shane It seems is... like he's maybe on cocaine or something. I don't want to speculate. I just, he is like about to jump out of his skin. And then they do bachelor parties. He goes to Wrigley Field. They let him do batting practice and he strikes out and he is so upset with himself. Like every other guy. believe it. Yeah. So happy, laughing, enjoying themselves. Even the ones that aren't athletes, he's like pouting in the stands. It like ruins his night. Like maybe it ruins the whole experience for him. (laughs) He can't believe it. Yeah. He seems to care more about that one failure than he does about this girl who he is going to marry. And that's the final step in all this. They get married. Oh my gosh. Shane. I, I think that Shane probably just like chugs energy drinks. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Shane, for saying that you did cocaine. If you're out there. Cause I do. Shane is so, I, I, I have to write an essay about Shane. I have so many thoughts about Shane. (laughs) Shane is like one of TV's better. So this is a, this is a, one of the words that's been in the internet lexicon lately. He's a himbo. He's like, (laughs) he's, he's like, good looking in a very like, like he's, he's like, you know, he's, he's got like a good body and he's like, his face is a little goofy sometimes, but he's like, you know, he's cute. Yeah. But I, he has like, I think a, you called it this on our text chain earlier, like an oversized elf or something. Someone did. Yes. There's something very elf, elven that, about But him. the elf, but specifically Buddy the elf, like yeah. the character Buddy the elf, he's like childlike in some ways. Mm-hmm. And that's what like, so like, what's a good example of a himbo in pop culture for everyone? Um, most characters played by Channing Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're stupid, but it means that they have some like element to them that makes them like very endearing because maybe there's just like, they, you know, common sense. They're very charming. They're like, so there has to be some kind of like element that endears you to a himbo. And Shane is just like a character Mm -hmm. and he's not, he never, at least for what I could tell means any malice. And I think some of them do. He's just, he's, he's, he's a bro. He's like a goofy bro dude. And then he also is like very serious about like, I don't know, nothing. Well, actually, well, I he do, does want to find a partner. He wants to find a partner and I should apologize for my judgment. Cause he has lost his father oh, yeah, I forgot. a few months prior. So that's part of it too, is like, maybe this guy is just in total grief mode and he's He's still recovering from that. And here he is on national television, bearing his soul, but it looks sometimes like his eyes are going to pop out of his head. He's like so excited and just brimming with energy. And some of it is positive, but some of it ends up manifesting itself in anger. And he like paces around in a way that makes me think 
maybe he has some anger issues even. Yeah, which could be, and who knows if those are new or old or what. I don't know. Think, I think I think you're definitely right about the point. I think when people are grieving, especially a parent or someone really close like that, sometimes they do things that are rash, mm-hmm. like sign up for a show <laughs> where you marry someone after knowing them for a month, right? Mm-hmm. This to me tracks. Like if you think about like, he's like, oh, oh my God, like I lost my dad. I, I have to get married so that like I can get married in front of my mom, my family, right? Right. I think that sometimes those things click on and they're not necessarily entirely rational. He needs to be seen to be believed. But yes, he can be intense to the point of not frightening, but to the point of like unsettling. Unsettling. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think at the end of the day, despite some of these deplorable people and their- some of them we kind of were talking about people who were like the more of the okay with some of them are truly just like awful though. Yeah. <laughs> well, Giannina from last season. Oh my god! She, you could just tell she was there in order to get her screen time, and she's putting this poor man—not poor man, but you know—someone yeah, he wasn't great either. That couple was a mess. Oh, you know what? That's the thing. At the end of the day, these people are drawn to many people who have the similar motive, mm-hmm. and so I didn't feel like anybody got totally manipulated. But I do want to thank the editors because wow. Netflix, you've done a brilliant job creating a reality television show. The way that they edited this show made it so engaging because it like is almost winking at itself. Yes. And always. I, I just, yeah, it's like you watch it to make fun of these people and get to know these characters that you dislike and they know that going in. And yeah, I was just so appreciative of the editing. It was sharp. It was clever. And I think it is interesting, too, because some of the people who do go on it, I mean, I guess I'm just thinking of Natalie, right, who is um, Shane's partner in all of this, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. But Natalie seems to be in on the joke. For some, like, some of them get it. Some of them are sort of like, she's very dry. She kind of gets that it's crazy. She does get lost in the fantasy of it, too. But, like, sometimes even the, like, like characters, because they are, they are, like, really... And it's the same on many reality shows. Like Survivor, it's like who gets the winner's edit, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I do wonder who's, you know, I think Ayana, she's sometimes in on the joke. She's, I think she's, I I think Ayana's just really cool. Me too. And I want to give her a hug. Yeah. <laughs> but some of them I think do get it. And then some are, some are there to be on TV. And then some of them I think really think that they're going to like come out of this. With love. With a marriage, or at least with a with a husband or wife. Well, it's funny. Not even necessarily with love, right? But with yeah, a companion. Well, I'm glad you said that because when you talk about the motivations for people getting on this show, Jer Bear, I think his oh, real name's Jarrett. Jarrett. He had been stabbed last year. I would love to know more about that story, but they didn't really get into it. By someone who I think he was said a friend. was friends with. Yeah, yes. I was like, can we get more on that, please? But, um... He was in the hospital for a week, and he didn't have anyone by his side. And that's his pure motivation for going to the show. He wants a a wife so that next time he's in the hospital or going through a crisis, he has someone by his side. Yeah. And And he he was pretty forthright about that. Yes, absolutely. And I think I just made that connection, too, because he kind of floats the idea of proposing to one of the women. She is like, I am going to be with someone else. And instead of just, like, kind of taking that, he's like, well, I was really close to this other person, too. So 
maybe I'll marry her. And I think he mm-hmm. got, does kind of like, I don't want to say trick himself into feeling it. I think he does kind of, after a certain point, he does realize he's like, okay, then the other thing's not going to happen. It takes yeah. him some time to get there, but he does try to like really. They do get seem like a more genuine couple, but I I can't tell who's still together and who's not. And I don't want to spoil it, no, but I think if I was Ayana watching the show now, I'd be pissed me at too. him. And it would really bum me out because his parents are really, really yeah. wonderful people. Yes, they are. They were very welcoming. This this girl, Ayana, just like, you know, she just faced a lot of adversity growing up with family situations and housing situations and had kind of just like, you know, a lot going on and not really a very stable home life. And so she's very, very welcomed by this family and feels... Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, I could have this kind of family. And that's really wonderful to her. And then I agree with you, though. Like, looking back, if I were her, I'd be like, bro. Yeah. What? I have to wonder about any number of them watching. Danielle, I think, got this particular edit that made her look like she has a lot to work through. And she's a very insecure, serious person. But then they reveal certain details about her. Like she has a hot dog costume in her house because she likes to throw parties and she and her friends have yeah. dance parties on She's their kitchen fun. island. I was like, oh, that's news to me. You've made her seem like such a lame And now I'm like, maybe she is pretty cool. So. Did you think it was weird that her 35-year-old fiance was like so turned off by that? Yeah. I just wanted to be like, calm down, man. I don't think he was romantically interested in her in any way. I think you don't No, I think this was like purely career driven. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. I think that do you mean career driven? Like in the sense that like he thinks if he has a wife, he'll be able to advance further. No, I mean, he's in marketing Okay, and he's trying to get more link. Cause I could followers see either of those. Cause I think sometimes people do think that if they have, a sig- like a significant other they'll get invited to the couple's oh, dinner parties they yeah. get you know what i mean i think that that's a thing especially in certain corporate situations i think people do look at it that way too that's i think that there's been a couple i think that like 20 years ago there was like a um, abc family original christmas movie specifically with that premise <laughs> i think it might have starred eric mccormick but i'm not sure well all this family talk <laughs> does remind me of the oscar film that i really yes. want to plug coda uh, CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adult. That's what I was going to ask you. And it, the, it's a story about a family who lives in Massachusetts on the North Shore. And they're like a fishing family. They run a fishing business. And the teenage girl works very hard in her family business, but she's the only hearing member of her family. So she has to really go above and beyond and translate and make more things accessible for them, especially when these big fisheries in the industry are trying to take advantage of this deaf family. Uh, She becomes this huge asset. And so when she decides that perhaps she wants to apply to college, it's a big obstacle for her family. It is heartwarming. It's beautiful. The plot moves quickly. The use of sound. There's one scene in particular, and you'll know it when you see it. They utilize a lack of sound for an extended period of time that just like takes you into the movie in a whole new way and sort of shifts your perspective. It recently won Best Ensemble Cast at the SAG Award. Screen Actors Guild Award. Best Supporting Actor. Supporting Actor. And it was cool too. I guess the father has been acting since like 2000 or 2001. But we never see these people because there's not... 
and so to the the actor who plays the father is deaf in real life. All three of the actors who play the deaf members of the family are also deaf. And it's just so rare that deaf actors get work, like mainstream work, right? Yeah. I think that, so Marley Matlin plays the mother in that movie. And she is someone who has had a lot of success as an actress. And so her being involved can be a real pull, not only for audiences, but also just like for this idea that you can have actual deaf people, actual disabled people, actual, you know, whoever actors to play these parts. But Marley Matlin is the first, maybe only deaf person to win an Academy Award. She won an Oscar for Children of a Lesser God, which I think was like 1988 or something. But it was a huge deal because she signed her speech. She has, um, she has accomplished a lot. She wrote a memoir. She's a really interesting person. If anyone's interested in Marley Matlin... Is there anything you're pulling for? I don't even know. I'm so lost. Honestly, the best movie I've seen in the past, like, year is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. (laughs) I'm, like, all in. I'm a Venom stan now. That's what um, Levi and I watched Venom, Let There Be Carnage on Valentine's Day. And I will tell you, it is a love story for the ages between a human man and an alien symbiote. It's, it is like, that's kind of a joke because it's funny to say that, but it actually is truly like, they really do, especially in the second movie. So this is like a, the first movie is kind of an origin story for this Venom, right? Who is a Spider-Man villain generally. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's a, lo- a lot of establishing text, right? So in the second one, you really get a good deep dive into the relationship between Eddie and the thing that lives kind of in and on him. But... Yeah, I I don't know. I did really love West Side Story. Yeah. I think it was really, really wonderful. I need to watch a lot more, frankly. Like, I don't feel comfortable at this point in time. You know what I'm pulling for? I'll tell you. I'm pulling for every under-the-line crafter who does the Academy Award or who does anything in film and is nominated for an Oscar to be able to accept their award on screen. Yeah, they're shrinking down the running time. They're going to actually, like, start the ceremony a little earlier, but not air um, many of the awards. Like, it's like with the Grammys. Costume designer. Yeah. And it's what the Grammys usually but would do. The Grammys, we want the performances. I want to hear these well, artists perform. At the Oscars, I'd rather hear about how movies are made sure. than have some stupid montage. You yes. Know? And, like, with the Grammys, too, it's like the Grammys have, like, hundreds of categories. Mm-hmm. The Oscars have, like, 26, which is a lot, but... One one of the main criticism, like, I have been watching the Oscars like an insane person since I was, like, five. Like, I would be, like, my mom and I would, like, dress up all my Barbies as actresses. We'd be like, this one's Nicole Kidman, like, before the show. And so watching it forever, right, like, you get used to how the show goes. And someone made a great point. They were like, if people are not interested in watching the Oscars, they're not going to watch them. Yes. Make the show exciting and interesting for the people who are going to watch it. Like I want to hear from the person who edited a movie. I also think that if you're nominated for an Academy award, you deserve to have the same platform. It just, it's a, it's propositioned as a time saver, but really what it does is it makes people feel less than Yeah, like, it is important to give time for everyone to speak. And like, yes, Brad Pitt is more famous than like Thelma Schoenmacher. Who's like a film editor, but like, that doesn't make their work less meaningful. Was there anything else you haven't had a chance to share today, Miss Molly? I don't think so. Be on the lookout for a very exciting episode, potentially. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> we're um, hoping to, yeah, we're hoping to chat with some Broadway and Worcester folks very soon. Uh, yes, but also follow Broadway to Worcester. It's a really, really fun account. Yeah. There's Even sh- if you're not into theater, like, it's very fun. I've been there. I've been there.